Hey everyone, my name is Yaro and you're listening to the Creative Nature Podcast, for which I'm so grateful. Ooh, I want to tell you guys, I'm really quite exhausted this week. I moved houses last week, which is not something I enjoy doing. And yet, here we are. <laughs> but uh, even before I started uh, to listen back to this episode that I'm about to share with you, suddenly had this big smile on my face and felt really giggly in a way that I hadn't felt this week yet. And I think that's because my guest just is so... Oh my gosh, I have no words. It's really hard to describe. I think you'll get it when you listen to this episode, this episode and I really hope that you love it as much as I did. I talked to Samantha Sapara, who is a fertility, sex and cycle educator, an author, an activist, but really also so many other things. She has this incredible love and giggle that really gives me a lot of joy, I have to say. And we talked about things that are really close to my heart. Being in our bodies, um, saying no as a commitment to yes, being in love, like really in love as a way of being. We also talked about the relationship between oxytocin and anarchism, which when I first heard her use that expression, it felt like a coming home. It felt like something that I had always known, but just had never named in that particular way. But something that really makes sense to my whole being. So I love this conversation. I hope I'll have another one in the future with her um, to go deeper into these topics and I really hope that you will check her work out I think it's so magical so good <laughs> just a few updates from me um, the creative nature coven is going strong I'm really enjoying our creative co-working times you're welcome to join that through my patreon if you wish it's a beautiful way to move into spring with a deeper creative commitment in your life I think just showing up on Zoom and hanging out together, each working on our own stuff, you know, we make things, we get stuff done, we reconnect with our creativity, which is really great. Last week, I also ran a free workshop on creating a sustainable journaling practice, which I really loved, and I'm committed to offering a free workshop for everyone every other month. Um, so I'll link to that if you want to sign up. The next one is coming up in May and it's going to be all about romantic rituals for self, others and the world. And at the second weekend in April, I'm also offering a free virtual retreat weekend over at my other business, Pinkwell Studio, which will be a really great container, I think. Lots of people getting together to co-work. I'll be offering a workshop on finding the right business model which I think is on many people's mind at the moment. And uh, there will be an introduction to web design. So lots of good stuff to learn, but more importantly, really good conversations to have had. I think that's all, always, almost, <laughs> almost always the most valuable thing to me is being with people and feeling less alone and really having these sparks of inspiration from seeing that we're in this together and that makes me really happy so yeah i'll hope um if you're a small business person you'll come and join us and otherwise to maybe see you at the next free workshop or in the creative nature coven enjoy 
Hello everyone. I am again super lucky to speak to a wonderful person today. We just had such a beautiful setup. Um, my guest today is Samantha Sipora and she has this beautiful fire in the background. I hear there are kittens. <laughs> I've already have done a little bit of giggling and I'm just so excited. So as you know, I don't usually read people's bios out in the beginning. So I love hearing how people share about their work, but I'll just say Samantha is a fertility sex and psychoeducator, an author and an activist. And her website is just, just so dreamy. <laughs> There's so much already that I'm so excited to hear about. So Samantha, thank you so much for making the time and being here. I'm, I'm super happy to have you. Thank you, Yaro. So I would love to begin by asking how you find yourself in your work at the moment and what your creative nature is. And I know this is a big or a small question. You can take this anywhere you like. Love it. Um, yeah, I find myself in like very much sexy librarian, like museum art curator sort of phase of my career. Um, having created abundantly and experienced abundantly for the last 20 years, I, I feel like I'm in this space of, of reflection and refinement um, and sharing. So really, you know, my, my work right now is mostly teaching and writing. Um, and a lot of the teaching that I do is for other practitioners. Uh, not for just individuals that are seeking wellness, but for care providers who are then going to be providing care for hundreds of more humans. Um, and let's see, creative process. Oh, I would say, um, and I really, I just did one of the more creative things I've done um, in a while. We had a fruit of knowledge photo shoot in an orchard. <laughs> um a few a few nights ago and I'm just I'm getting more and more casual with the reality that it's all an experiment <laughs> and that while I have vision and I have uh power that it's really ultimately about surrender like getting to that point where I am able to recognize that my job is actually to get the fuck out of the way so that the, the creative process can move forward and that my actual, my ego uh, and my, my inner critic um, are done, like y'all are done. <laughs> yes, that makes so much sense. I didn't ask me. about Chris's words or if they're bleeping, but. Yeah, you do want to say more? Oh, no, no, no. I just realized that I used language that I didn't know if you use on your podcast. Oh. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Um, so when I have this intake form and I always ask my guests what they would like to talk about. And one of the things mm -hmm. you mentioned there are oxytocin and anarchism. And I was just like, whoa, that is exactly the information I need in my life right now. I feel like oxytocin is my favorite drug. I love it so much. I could run on oxytocin alone, I sometimes imagine. <laughs> Maybe that is not actually factually true, but mm. I've just always been so into it and been seeking it so much. And it's really interesting to unravel 
like what that seeking has led me to but anyway mm. I, I don't want to like <laughs> say so much um but I would yeah like where what what tell us more about oxytocin and agonism well so of all of our hormones and for anyone listening just to break down what what the fuck is a hormone because oxytocin is both a hormone and a neurotransmitter which makes it a really unique molecule it's very unique in so many ways um but so hormones are just things that change our body on a cellular level uh from the greek word hermes the messenger and of all of our hormones oxytocin has some of the most robust data in terms of clinical studies and behavioral psychology and like evolutionary biology perspectives right so of all of our hormones we may say like oh estrogen makes you a nurturer or testosterone makes you horny but none of them stand up to the research the actual data around oxytocin being the strongest behavioral hormone and the way we behave is truly as if is 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 in love you know like in love not next to it not on top of it not underneath it but in love is how oxytocin helps us behave we become more generous more trusting more intuitive more able to read other people's emotions and needs um and so in terms of deconstructing hierarchy and anarchism like knowing that one of the core pillars of anarchist philosophy and praxis is mutual aid and this understanding that your well-being is deeply intertwined with my well-being and it it's not just an obligation but it's an honor to be able to share and to give and receive and yeah oxy I mean I could go on and on and on <laughs> about it I mean one of the other things that I've just recently learned about oxytocin is that it is one of the newest hormones and neurotransmitters that we have and it is one that is unique to mammals whereas like serotonin and dopamine can be found abundantly in our plant kin um oxytocin is really about that social glue bonding collectivism and care um and I'll I'll go ahead and take a pause there Does that mean fish don't feel it? I'm so sad for the fish. <laughs> oh, yeah, I think that that does mean that fish don't feel oxytocin. Oh. Yeah. Okay. All right. I guess they have other stuff going on for them, right? They've got plenty of feelings, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm so, yeah, like I said, I'm so in love with the experience of of that hormone and like how it feels in my body and I always like to ask people how it feels like for them because I think mm. when I was a teenager and I first really got into you know that kind of bodily intimacy I imagined yeah. that it must be the same for everyone and I imagined everyone feels like this shower of golden rain from the top of their heads or something and then yeah. I got a bit older I'm like oh no <laughs> it's different for all of us so yeah like what what does it feel like in your body and 
what have you seen and patterns in other bodies and how do you like to relate to that hormone? Um, I agree with you. I forget if we were recording or if it was pre-record where you said that oxytocin was your favorite drug. Um, I mean, I also like coffee quite a bit and cannabis, but oxytocin is definitely the, the top of the hierarchy there. Um, I really feel the narcotic effects of oxytocin really strongly. And it's so relaxing and soothing and helps me regulate my nervous system and my heartbeat and my breath and just that feeling of security and safety um, that is again like we, we go deep into nervous system like co-regulation and oxytocin a whole other science but you asked me how I feel um, and yeah it, you know pretty quick path to euphoria. I actually was <laughs> um, in my works in progress library um, the other day for the, the membership that I'm building, the fruit of knowledge uh, learning community. And I was looking at this piece that's called Ode to My Titties. <laughs> Um, that's really all a lot about my relationship with oxytocin through my breasts, through nipple stimulation, and that I am somebody who has been blessed with like just a direct tap, like a connection to the main line through my own breasts. And that's something that I've had since I was a little girl, like since since I can remember with puberty. And being able to actually mindfully engage with that and use it, like, you know, in rush hour traffic <laughs> or in stressful situations. Uh, like, I broke my ankle actually last summer. And I know we both broke bones. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, and just on the way to the urgent care like holding my breasts and massaging my nipples helped me calm down. And it's a painkiller. It's a direct painkiller. Um, and so that's just me and myself, not to even begin the conversation around, you know, sexuality um, and how many different versions of that. And, and yeah, my kittens, oh my God, healing from my broken ankle. I had a broken ankle and COVID this summer. And I had just adopted my babies. And so I really just slept and cuddled with cats for about six weeks. <laughs> and just able to feel them um, healing me and helping me manage my pain for sure. And then, you know, my mind goes off into how important this is to remember for all of the womb continuum um, for all of our experiences of menstruation and all of the different types of pregnancy release we have um, that oxytocin facilitates contractions and it also is a painkiller. So figuring out what are your individual oxytocin promoters and accelerators are um, and working with them anytime that there's action in the womb continuum um, is super, super healing. Um, 
And I think there was a second part to your question, which was about how do I observe it in others? <laughs> um, and I, unfortunately, the first thing that comes to mind to be super authentic is just the negative addiction, the lack of control, um, and the ways that our culture is so, um, so broken, right? And just like how deeply um, people associate those feelings with romantic or sexual love and hurt themselves and one another by fixating on that rather than being able to resource themselves as individuals or with other animals or with platonic relationships um, or connection to the earth. Yeah. There's a yeah. lot there. Yeah. <laughs> exactly what it was just on my mind I was like mm, yeah <laughs> there's a lot there definitely there's so much there I mean and yeah. I've witnessed you know many many people in childbirth mm -hmm. and I've been on the receiving end of the of like people falling madly in love with me because I happened I was in the room <laughs> when they had the biggest dose of oxytocin that the human body can be a conduit for mm -hmm. um and yeah being able to see and feel that effects firsthand like through the process of childbirth mm -hmm. <laughs> and the postpartum period and breastfeeding for so long is just it's fucking it's magic mm -hmm. it's amazing stuff <laughs> yeah it really is and so relatable I was also spending a lot of time this year just hanging out with my puppies cuddling and healing and I mean mm. broken foot ankle whatever it's it's a yeah. wow <laughs> what a yeah. what a thing to experience hey eh? yeah. yeah and also I relate to what you're saying about your breasts I feel that so much too it's so soothing in my family we have this thing where when when something is missing like a physical item we touch our breasts and we're like shit where is it <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and it really helps to locate stuff for some reason. I love it <laughs> it's really good guidance yeah <laughs> um so you you were touching a little bit already on mutual aid and I would love to hear a little bit more about what your experience of the pandemic has been like um I know it's so different for all of us and I think mm -hmm. for me at the moment there's something really healing about storytelling and just you know, seeing where people are and how it's been for them, what has helped them. And mm -hmm. and maybe also if you want to share how it's changed your understanding or experience of mutual aid. Oof. Um, I want to, I'll share, um, my lineage is um, Eastern European Jewish on both sides. And there is a word Uh, that is a noun and a verb, sadaka, which is often mistranslated into charity, um, but really more accurately means justice. And that that is a, a big influence on the way that I view mutual aid and care work. Um, I'm feeling kind of emotionally overwhelmed to locate a story within the pandemic or mutual aid right now. 
That's so real. <laughs> I think that's also really good information, you know. Right. And maybe something, yeah, it's so important how to be said. Yeah. Yeah. Um I guess I'm thinking about the very first lockdown. And oh, I mean, this is like some core stuff, Yarrow. You're like, let's just go underneath all of the other layers down to the middle. Um, damn. I'm trying to think if I can like offer any sort of concise synthesis. I will just share that my my mental loop of anxiety within the first few days of lockdown was fully with single moms. and um resourcing them and that was just where I went immediately within my own community was like who needs childcare? who needs groceries who needs errands run um and that yeah I have been I mean I've it's been such a deep process you know I actually moved up onto this mountaintop in the middle of the pandemic, which was something I was planning on doing before the pandemic began. Um, and I've had a lot of mixed feelings around guilt and privilege uh, and the process that I have been in, in this state of isolation where I don't tend to see humans besides my partner um, very often. Like I've gone, usually two, three weeks without getting in a motorized vehicle or going to town. And my relationships with, um, you know, my own psyche and past traumas and the plant people here. Oh my God, like my time away from the human people <laughs> has created such a depth of community with my plant friends. Um, and there's so many yeah, lots of wildlife. So <laughs> that that's part of the stream of consciousness that, that comes up when you ask those questions. Um, and then it, to ground it in the present moment, as far as mutual aid goes, I have um, two offerings that I am offering globally. One is an info session about the abortion pills and how to use them mindfully, where to get them, how they work, um, and different holistic healing options to surround the process in terms of nutrition and herbs and rituals and really giving honor to the psycho-spiritual processes. Um, and so that's actually coming up on Sunday and it's just by donation. I know that when this podcast airs, it'll be gone. Um, but it will live in my workshop and class resource library on the membership. People will be able to watch replays. Um, and I've also decided to make my miscarriage and abortion support e-course available completely by donation, um, which feels really good. And it was inspired by the recent legislation in Texas and how many people were reaching out to me. Um, in a panic and feeling like, um, yeah, this really lovely feeling of 
of gifting and surrender and trust that the reciprocity that I deserve and need will will come back to me um, and that I'm just in such an abundant space right now that I can just give, which feels amazing. It's so beautiful. I'm really happy for you and I'm really happy for everyone who gets to experience this work with you and um, the class sounds amazing. And yeah, I'll copy some over. Um, I wonder, or I'm, I'm imagining that almost everyone listening to this podcast would have either maybe had an abortion at some point or know someone who did or does or will. And just as so, someone who I imagine has so much experience with this experience <laughs> and supporting people in it what do you yeah. wish more people know or what what is a good thing to offer mm -hmm. someone who's going through that um in a really loving and compassionate way yeah well oxytocin <laughs> is your medicine is your friend is definitely one of the things i want people to know um, and I feel like ancestor medicine and earth medicine in particular are really potent things to connect with through the process of an abortion and recognizing that while your own experience in your own body and your psyche are unique and deserve honor and tenderness, um, that there, there's a lot of comfort to be had, I think, in accessing yourself as a part of a whole, as a part of nature, and as a part of a lineage that is so vast. And understanding that this, this release of fertility and this reset button and this um, reallocation of a vital essence is something that plants and animals and ecosystems do and that yes our our psyches are unique as humans um but that the the physiology and the the birth death rebirth process is so part of nature and part of this whole it's not separate from it it's not against life um that that again there's like a gandhi quote that is in my course a lot it's like birth and death are not separate they're two sides of the same coin um so i think that perspective like that ability to maybe relax into that feeling held by how many generations of people in your own bloodline alone uh, just knowing that this is a normal thing for a living body to do. And then on the, on the psycho-spiritual side, I have um, a practice and an invitation that I use with people uh, in all types of different situations with fertility and sex, uh, but it's really poignant with abortion in particular, which is finding your sacred yes and understanding that there's no no without a yes and the no doesn't e exist in a vacuum and often that no is rooted in fear or a more challenging emotion but 
finding your yes that is the counterpart to that no is very strong medicine in terms of you don't want a child what do you want what are you wanting to conceive and gestate and birth with your power with your vital essence and recognizing that saying no um, can be a commitment to the yes also and be life-giving that's so beautiful and healing to hear um also as someone who's decided not to have children in my mm. lifetime it's a good reminder mm. and i love that kind of framework so yeah thank you so much yeah um, you also talk about honoring death as fertility and i was like oh <gasps> yes i wonder what that feels like for you at the moment and the and just where we are in, in life and you know and things well tis the season um for listeners in the future we are recording this um within the the harvest moon <laughs> in october the full moon um and i don't know for anybody who's had a garden or lived in any sort of farming or rural situation, which I've been blessed to do for uh, most of my adult life, you know that there is like, a, well, first there's compost, right? <laughs> and there's all of these different deaths that create the fertility in the soil. Um, but I'm thinking really specifically of this harvest season and what one of my farmer mentors used to call the burden of abundance. And the reality that we cannot harvest everything, we cannot harvest and preserve all of the abundance that we are given in this life. And that we absolutely have to be able to surrender and let some things die and rot and feed the next generation of life. And that that just, yeah, really works metaphorically and hyperdimensionally. Mm -hmm as well and that there's uh you know there's grief <laughs> and like sometimes some anxiety or like a little bit of panic even sometimes when I like you know I didn't get to harvest all of the motherwort <laughs> because of my broken ankle <laughs> when it was at its peak bloom and I had to just let some of it go um and just trust that you know the motherwort I need will be there <laughs> next year um but yeah there's there's so much there and then you know we can run off into Jungian psychology and myths and Persephone and like there's so many so many tangents there um but thank you thank you for your questions yeah I love them all what about you do you want to respond to that question or that thought what is something really strange comes to mind for me at the moment i um i'm thinking a lot about bodies and disabilities and and this real change in that at the moment um because i just um a few weeks ago got a prognosis that my leg won't heal so i'm really rethinking um what is important to me you know what i want from where i can go and where i even want to go now that i physically can't go so well to places anymore and also what my home means to me and just feeling mm. so grateful for 
this place and being in this landscape here it only arrived like a bit more a bit over than two years ago and I just love it here so much and I feel like my range has become much smaller but it's such a good range <laughs> you know and so that feels really special to me and um, I need to use either a walker or a walking stick and I notice that my wrist begins to hurt with that and you know what does that mean and I looked at my hand and I was like oh my gosh this feels a bit like decay you know whoa and it was really beautiful to accept that in a way I was like yeah my, my body is really aging and and I actually I feel like this between the pandemic and this accident it really aged me <laughs> and I love the idea um of like arriving in my middle age dreams that's kind of what I've always wanted because it feels like yeah <laughs> it feels like autumn and I just feel really affirmed in who I am by the season and so I am only going to turn 36 and you know it's a number and also it has some realities to it um but in any case I feel like also with this choice that I'm making to not have kids that I'm arriving in this really beautifully steady part of my life where I'm not running around physically and emotionally anymore chasing stuff trying to make stuff happen just kind of get to live this like witch life at the edge of town now and be quite slow and quite homey and yes <laughs> it's so beautiful and it has it has some you know there is it is I think the beauty of it is kind of growing on the fertility that the death and the loss of that situation has created yeah yeah mm. I identify with and relate so deeply <laughs> to everything you just shared um yeah. while my ankle is healing its limitations and my yeah. experience with crutches mm -hmm. and the limitations of my body yeah. and I just turned 35 mm -hmm. um and yeah in the depth you know I think I yeah the broken ankle and the COVID combo mm -hmm. um and just being with mortality mm -hmm being with the limitations of my body and seeing myself mm -hmm. in that crone magic, like seeing the age in my face when I look in the mirror of like, oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes, and that that is, um, yeah, it's totally an aspiration of mine. Mm. It's abs absolutely aspirational mm. to fully embody the crone magic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yes. she's it's such a big part of who I've been since yeah. I was a child. You know, I've been yeah. a little lady. People call me grandma. Um, my whole young adulthood. Yeah, so good. Such a good way to be. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, I feel so so happy to arrive in this space. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> um, let me think like I feel so dreamy now I'm like oh what mm -hmm. else was I gonna ask <laughs> um I think I would love to hear more if you want to share about um all these different kinds of bleeding that you speak to and uh, maybe maybe you want to share more about what you wish more people knew about or oh thank you yeah back all goes back to oxytocin I mean, there's there's other things too. On a, on a very very practical, straightforward level, um, I wish everybody understood that bleeding bodies need rest, 
warmth and nourishment. That, that, that's it. <laughs> we need those things. And if you don't give them to the body, the body will experience deficiency or pain, which is not there to punish you. It's there to communicate with you about what your body needs and pain. Pain is always valuable communication. And I fully respect and understand needing to self-medicate intentionally and mindfully to manage pain. I just did a lot of that with my injury and illness. However, going without it periodically and having enough space to actually have the communication with my body so I understood its limits and was able to respect them um, is still really important. And so, yeah, we do so much more bleeding than we do birthing. And our capitalist patriarchal production oriented overculture is like uteruses are for making babies. And I'm like, wait, did you see what all of the uteruses have been doing for all of these years? Like how many babies versus how many bleeds are we talking about here? And respecting the innate wisdom of the womb and its capacity to care for the process of menstruation to release an endometrium and respect for the innate wisdom of the womb and its ability to release a pregnancy, whether it's a miscarriage or an abortion or birth or postpartum from any of those types of pregnancies, that there's innate wisdom in the womb and that those processes are all part of its natural range of motion and capacity. And you actually don't need to manage or control most of those situations very much. I'm not saying like none, but that when you do intervene or manage them, that doing so with that respect that you are supporting the innate wisdom rather than intervening to control or interrupt those situations. Uh, and that I guess this circles back also just a little bit of vernacular around um, what I wish everyone knew about abortion specifically, which is that abortion and miscarriage, the body doesn't know the difference. The body is not concerned with your psychological process, with your socialization and the stigma, other than those things can create stress and like they, they can affect like the pain that you feel and your resistance to the experience. Absolutely, those things affect your nervous system, but that the body is innately capable of moving through these processes with integrity and regenerating and healing. And that what we need is that, that rest, warmth and nourishment. And it's, profound how similar those things are cross-culturally throughout history the types of nourishment the types of rest and the ways that we were kept warm when we were postpartum and when we were menstruating 
um, the layers and the wraps around the bellies and the kidneys and the hips, uh, the, the warming broths, the, the bone broths, these things are, are these universal um, historical things that we've forgotten. And we have this, we're under a spell. It's like we're, we're all under this mass enchantment spell that we need to break with all of our witchy sorceress powers to break this spell that people keep thinking that bleeding is supposed to be painful or supposed to be suffering. And it's, it's not, it's deeply connected to oxytocin. Yes, I was just nodding along. I want that to be known for people who can't see me. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. Um, whew. So speaking about um, breaking spells and breaking ankles <laughs> and being sick and all that, I wonder what are your current rites of passage that you celebrate in yourself and in your communities maybe or maybe there's ritual that you really enjoy and would like to share. Mm. Uh, yeah, whatever comes to mind. Mm. Um, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind actually is that a few days before I broke my ankle, I got to do this workshop with a bunch of girls ages eight through 11 um, and their mamas. And we gathered wildflowers and created a cycle mandala where different colors of flowers represented different phases of the menstrual cycle and the types of fluids that you might find in your vagina. And then we had a big representation of the moon phases and the solstice and the equinox laid over that. And we just physically walked around the cycle and we talked about each of the different phases and what they mean and how they're connected. Um, and yeah, you're asking about rites of passage. I mean, that's been a, such a huge part of my inner journey um, this last year of, of hermitage on the mountain um, has been doing really deep grief work around the lack of rites of passage, community support and witnessing uh, and mothering and sisterhood that I have received in my life. And that clarity that a lot of us healers come into that we have been giving other people the thing that we need to receive for a really long time. Um, and so I have, I'd say my biggest ritual, and this is like a whole other massive story around my wounded healer journey, um, is it with the spring equinox usually. It's a really, really powerful time for me. Uh, it's like my personal blood rites season. And then it's so powerful that that is also connected to historical and earth-based traditions where there's blood-centered fertility rites. Um, so I started my first menstrual cycle. Uh, I had penetrative sex for my first time and blood 
profusely. That was so crazy. Um, and then I had a uterine hemorrhage where I had a spontaneous uterine hemorrhage and I lost two thirds of my red blood cell count in a couple days. Yeah, I was reborn. I had a full out of body near death experience. Um, and then I also had a divorce in that season, all within a few weeks of the full moon uh, in the spring equinox, which also for my lineage with Passover is a holiday that is a blood right fertility holiday in so many ways. It's a birth story. Um, so that has been um, the strongest ritual that I have kept in terms of my own rites of passage has been doing some kind of a ceremony or ritual to honor what I call the resurrection of the Venus Christ, <laughs> which was my decision to come back to my body during my hemorrhage. Um, it was like this Christ consciousness, but it was Venus. <laughs> and that's uh my stage name is the venus christ and i i sighed for your sins <sighs> um so that's the big yearly one for me there's there's so many others and then my moon lodge practice is quite serious um you know it will wax and wane depending on life because i do still live in over culture and participate in capitalism in some ways so sometimes those things intervene but for the most part um I turn off my technology and I don't leave my house for at least the first two days of bleeding um and then I have deep practices in terms of releasing uh what no longer serves me with the blood and offering it to the earth and all the beautiful plant medicines I make infusions from and yeah that was an, a good ramble mm, I love that <laughs> thanks for listening thank you so much for sighing for my sins That's yeah so much better than sighing right can you just do it again please <laughs> <sighs> yeah that feels good thank you <laughs> that's really good um gosh I feel like I could ask you so many other things but I also know I want to respect your time and the listeners time and yeah. um and it's just good to talk but I wonder before we go if you have any last thoughts on you know being a witch in capitalism something you want to say something you want people to know maybe something you're wishing for for our futures Ooh, so many options. Where does my mind land? Where does the heart divine? <sighs> I was actually feeling pretty called as I was talking about the my Venus Christ resurrection. <laughs> um, this is really edgy, Yaro, but how do you feel about closing with a song? <laughs> oh my God, yes. I'm, I'm totally here for that. <laughs> So, yeah, I, this is like a hodgepodge of a bunch of poetry uh, and other songs that just all kind of fell together 
you know, um, in my healing process this summer from the, the injury and illness. And it really came together on Yom Kippur, <laughs> which is the day of atonement in my culture where we fast. And um, yeah, also the anniversary of my grandfather's death. Okay, thank you so much for allowing me to just like move with this. I was like, I'm gonna just sing a song. That'll be fun. <laughs> it's such a, I'm being reminded, uh, you know, I've really been very distracted by other people's uteruses for many years. And that one of the main reasons I have a body is for singing songs. <laughs> so I'm just jumping into that. Not afraid of death, I can let go of any of this. I can let go, I can let go, I can let go, I can let go. Down in the darkness, deep underneath, all of the things you daily see I went to bed with my devil on she put on the kettle and made us some tea bitterness bitterness Medicine, 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 I am. Not afraid to die. I know it's only a moment in my life. And as the Descendant of my ancestors, I cannot show you, honey. We have been through worse. Not afraid of death, I can let go of any of this. Thanks, Yaro. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> that was so incredible. I feel very blessed and honored oh. to have that shared on the podcast. And it's been so wonderful to speak to you. There's been so much beauty and depth and richness here that I'm really excited to share with everyone. And yeah, thank you so much for being in the world and for choosing resurrection as Venus that was a really good move thank you <laughs> right yeah oh, I was like do I need that body I don't know it's really <laughs> uncomfortable um I guess I should make some more songs with it that was the thought process yeah really <clears throat> nice musical instrument mm. yeah. um 
but yeah Yaro thank you so much for the space and yeah your work in the world and just so many blessings on on your healing and the deaths that you're Mm -hmm. grieving and the and the fertility Mm -hmm. that's coming from it and I hope we stay in touch you too Um, yeah yeah, I almost oh my god forgot to ask you because I'm so dreamy now What are you offering? Where can people find you? How to stay in touch? Uh, come find me. Um, you know, my website is my name.com. It's mm-hmm. Samantha Zippora with two Ps. People will find, I guess, show notes also. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm opening the doors to the Fruit of Knowledge learning community. Um, November 4th on the new moon coming up here. So f- probably by the time people listen to this, it mm-hmm. will be open. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm, you know, shuffling everybody from Patreon over there mm-hmm. for a lot more ease mm-hmm. navigating my complete works. So mm-hmm. it's a there, it's a massive archive of all of my favorite resources, all my professional uh, protocols and intakes and worksheets for other womb care providers to access. Um, Both of my online courses, Conscious Contraception, Skillshare, and the Miscarriage and Abortion Support, eCourse, all of my books. (laughs) All of these things are gonna be on the membership along with a whole bunch of memoir, personal writing and works Mm -hmm. in progress that I haven't shared before. Um, so that's the big one. And then, you know, my books and courses are available a la carte as well. And I'm so passionate about making print media, nothing that I offer online, um, in terms of the finished prog- products, like the, the, the works in progress are just Google docs right now, <laughs> but my courses and my books are all available in print. There's nothing that's just an e-course or just an ebook. Um, There are physical workbooks and printouts that you can highlight and color and take notes in. Mm. Um, And yeah, I, yeah, Q and A's, (laughs) one-on-one sessions, all the things in the fruit of knowledge, learning community and just, yeah, they're in Hebrew, the, the tree of knowledge that is talked about in the Genesis story, the word for knowledge is the same as the word for sex. So you might've heard like in Bible stories, like he knew her, (laughs) he knew him. And that means that they had sexual intercourse. What? So the tree of knowledge and the fruit of knowledge is also the fruit of sexual awakening and sexual knowledge. And some of the beautiful books that I have been reading, um, The Wise Wound, the great cosmic mother are sharing about this potential that the fruit of knowledge is related to fertility awareness and cycle awareness and the fact mm. that one of the things that does make us different from our animal and plant mm. kin is the level of self-awareness we can have around mm sexuality and reproduction being different mm-hmm. and that that is tied into that horror story around that's why we suffer in childbirth is because we know 
anyway there's just there's a lot of layers to yeah. it uh, hopefully it's a juicy juicy offering just come explore explore my website whether or not you want to be in the whole membership dealio mm-hmm. I'm on the Instagram more than I should be still I really admire that you just fucking pieced out <laughs> <laughs> and maybe we'll talk more about that another yeah. time yeah. Um, and yeah but yeah the big baby that I'm in the midst of birthing is is that fruit of knowledge mm. learning community um and thank you for asking and yeah thanks of course space and yep yep <laughs> yeah yep. send in love to everybody this has been such a sweet experience yeah thank you so much again it's been really wonderful and I'm excited for people to check this out and thank you mm-hmm.